As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. It's not about me I'm only here for a minute and I know that I can't fix it I can help even just a little bit Won't you let me try Hello everybody and welcome to the latest Laz and Powers podcast. This podcast is brought to you by DirecTV Stream. Get your TV together with the best of live and on demand. Learn more at directtv.com. I am Mark Lazarus of The Athletic. I am joined by Scott Powers of The Athletic. He's in Chicago. I'm in Calgary. I just got my COVID test. It's negative. I get to go home in two days. How you doing, Scott? Good. I, I was slightly worried for you. Like, I just, <laughs> you just never know, right? Like, you, you, you may not feel anything. And then you being stuck in Canada for two weeks probably wouldn't be good. Well, you look around. I mean, look at the players. Like, a lot of these guys are getting false positives or they're getting positives with no symptoms. I mean, that's, you know, the point of the, the and vaccines. Yours was a rapid everything. test today, right? Today, yeah, because the, the United States does not give a shit. Like, you can get in, you could like forge a note from your mom, like, little Timmy does not have COVID, and they'll let you into the States. But to get into Canada, you need to, like, it's like a circus act of jumping through hoops to get in there. Um, it, it was an interesting ordeal getting into Canada. But yeah, the States, they just, they don't care. I, I was disappointed when I came back to, uh, when I was out of the country a couple of months ago, and I came back in, and they didn't, like, I was all worried about getting the test done and all that, and then I came back, and no one asked me for anything, so I was just <laughs> like, I was like, I went through all this, and, you know, I'm sweating about the test, and, you know, getting it done properly and quickly, and then, yeah. You know, no we'll, 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 we'll get into the hockey in a minute here, but, I'll, you yeah. know, it, 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 it's been interesting, this is my first time out of the country, obviously, since COVID, and uh, I've been in Canada a thousand times, but it's, it's, it's incredible the difference in the 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 the, the mandates and the uh, willingness to comply with the mandates up here. Everywhere you go, you know there are hawks on you about wearing a mask. And people at the game last night, the Vancouver PA announcer just kept randomly saying, "Don't forget, put your mask on." And then he'd repeat himself like four times, like it was a joke, but he kept saying it. 
And, you know, you need you need to show proof of vax to sit down at the food court in the mall. You need to show proof of vax to get into a bar. You need to show proof of vax to get into the get a special key to use the gym at the hotel. At one of my hotels, you had to make an appointment to use the hotel gym because I only wanted two people in there at a time. Oh, wow. I mean, they are hardcore here and not one person, not one person has complained about it. I have not heard one. My freedoms in the six days I've been up here. It's it's really not that hard. And you look at the round and their vax rate is super high. It's like 88% because you can't do shit out here without getting vaxxed. So why don't we do that? And then everybody will get vaxxed and then we can go back to normal and not have to wear masks. Wouldn't you you want an answer to that or no? <laughs> it's, a, it's, it's a rhetorical question. I'm just saying, if you make life hell for non-vaxxers, they'll be vaxxers. It's simple. Yes. Uh, so uh, hockey. Hockey! They they won again in a uh, interesting fashion. Um, Unstoppable killing machines. These Blackhawks. God, those. Uh, I felt like Mark, Mark Andre Fleury was going to make love with those posts last night. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. You know, you, you listen to any you ever. Anytime you talk to a goalie and you talk about, well, you know, you got bailed out by the post a few times. They'll be very quick to point out, hey. That's not my job to guard the post. The posts are there. My my job is to guard the inside of the posts. And if it hits the post, then I did my job because that's not a puck I'm I'm required to save. Marc-Andre Fleury doesn't seem to think that way. He loves his post, man. He gives him a nice little caress after every time. <laughs> he talks about him. He said after the game he was going to buy them dinner, but then realized that was silly sounding. He's like, maybe I'll just get him a fresh coat of paint instead. That, that, that's a guy who understands that. When it hits the post, you did get a little lucky. Every goalie wants to pretend like it's not lucky when it hits the post, but Fleury knows better. I appreciate that about him. Yeah, I, I, he's one of those guys I wish we were in the room for. Just so it would be, you know, like there, there's so many players. Like we're never going to get to know Marc Andre Fleury that well, you right. know. Like it's, uh, you know, <laughs> there's. I think Zadorov would have been really interesting to know. Like there's guys who just come through the team that we've never, never met. You know, like it was. Well, we uh, know, we know, basically we know Kane, Taves, Murphy, Debrinket, Strom, Dahan. <laughs> that's about it <laughs> i mean i mean we have no relationship with any of these players anymore we were never buddies with these guys but like you know you're in the room every day all year these the, you get to know each other a little yeah. bit you get to either, understand either, each other yeah you know? either you develop something or they hate you more one right two, exactly but, there's plenty of that um but uh yeah no the flurry seems like he's uh, yeah he likes to have fun and um I, I don't know like what was what was it's it sounded like the players understood last night that they got away with one, that that wasn't a game that they probably should have won? Well, you know, a lot of times I come into these games, especially these West Coast games, where I want, I want to get something up quickly before everyone's gone to bed back in the central time zone. So I pre-write like a lead column or an entry thing or, you know, or and, and then tack on some game observations at the end. I didn't do that this time. I didn't really have any ideas and it was back-to-back. So I'm like, I'll, I'll actually write off the game. It was a 5 p.m. Uh, Pacific time start. Um, in the second intermission, I wrote about eight or nine paragraphs where I just buried this team <laughs> just like some of the harshest things i've ever written about a hockey team they were so bad like the detroit was, red wings of uh 2013 yes exactly it was like that game like, like this like waxing poetic and it'll never get to see the light of day it was uh, I, I was not holding anything back it, it wasn't anything like i wasn't going out on any limbs here anyone who watched that game would be like oh my god this team's a mess yeah. um and you know it was nothing nothing at the time but there was no way they were going to win that game right and even if they had won, they don't deserve it. And then, then you know what? They pull it out, and they had a really good third period. 
that's what changed it. It wasn't just that Flurry stole it. Flurry stole it for two periods. And then the Blackhawks earned it in the third period. They scored a goal. They held him to two shots for like 16 or 17 minutes until the, the frantic late push with the goalie pulled and the power play. They killed off that big pe- uh, penalty. Uh, they, they, they they played a really good – Derek King called it the best period they've played since he got here. And I'm not sure I disagree. And the fact that it came after two of the worst periods I've ever seen, especially that second period. Good Lord was that second period. It was embarrassing. You know, Seth Jones called himself garbage in that, that period. And, you know, he wasn't, he wasn't wrong. But he was hardly alone either. The whole team was garbage that period. And it kind of underscores a couple of things. One, hockey is dumb. It's just yeah. so unpredictable. I mean, how could you what, – what, the only thing that was said in that second intermission was hit the reset button. What does that even mean? It's just cliche. And then they come out and play great. doesn't make any sense at all. It's hockey. Uh, and the other thing is I don't know if this team has gotten better under Derek King or not. They're 5-1-0 under Derek King. I think they were 1-9-2 under Jeremy Colleton. And I legitimately can't tell you if they're really better. They're certainly playing looser. They're certainly more confident. As I wrote about uh, last night, they're certainly mentally tougher. They were, a, you know, Derek King keeps using the term fragile. They were a fragile team before. When they got down, they turtled and they would get their asses kicked. Now, you know, they're kind of like hanging tough and thinking that they can come out of it. That's not nothing by any stretch. That's an accomplishment. But on the ice, fundamentally speaking, I'm not sure this team is actually any better than it was under Colleton. They had games under Colleton that, like Vancouver last night, and Hagel said this, that they should have won and lost. That happens. It's hockey. So I'm not really sure that the record is indicative of what's really going on here. No, and, and I think a lot of the numbers reflect that, too. I, I think, obviously, Marc-Andre Fleury has been amazing. Um, what's he started for? Four or five of these games, right? I think four of them. Four yeah, six. Did, 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 do we take is the takeaway here that Mark Andre Fleury secretly hates Jeremy Colleton? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm I mean, kidding. By the way, I'm kidding. Mark Andre Fleury doesn't hate anybody. I, I guess what's interesting is that when when Derek Team took over, this is a team that struggled to one from play from behind in the third period and also protect leads in the third period. So they were just they were a wreck. You know, like the end of all the games, like they 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 were up to nothing, they end up losing, or they were playing from behind and they somehow went further behind. Like there wasn't that offensive push you'd expect. So, for for them to have that kind of period yesterday, and and, and I think they've done a pretty good job. And you know, throughout throughout this, um, you know, throughout these six games of getting better as the game goes along, and certainly there's stretches where you know they're the same team. Um, and, and under Colleton, yeah, the, the number, there were analytics. You know, like I think the Islanders game and the Canucks game. Um, especially the where they're really, really good defensively, and and th- there's been stretches where they've been good under King too. Um, they're inconsistent. Um, even now, I think the offensive production is actually down. Like, I mean, they scored one goal, they won. You know, like they uh, five on five scorings down. Um, you know, Kane. Uh, you know, Kane being back has certainly helped the team. And the Brinkets, you know, he's obviously producing at a high level, but no one else is really scoring. Hagel. You know, Hagel being back too is big, and you wrote about that the other day as well. Um, but overall, yeah, I, I don't know what the takeaway is. It's like, it's this is a team I and, and I and I do think the schedule has some sort of impact on this too. You know, I, Edmonton was the first real test, um, and and they certainly didn't pass it. I think Calgary is going to be another uh, another test here, and you know, we've yet to see. Um, I think the elite teams in the central for a bit now. You know, when when Minnesota and and Colorado and those teams come around again and see how they're against them, but. Um, 
uh, but there's something to be said too, right? About just having a positive feeling and winning some games, and it's not going to be as as abysmal as it once was. And um, I think there are some things they can build on, and, and certainly having elite goaltending uh, matters. So, like, I, I think the fact that they're you know Flurry's making you know he's got a seven dollar million dollar cap hit. This is what they brought him in to do, and um, he struggled early on, and he's bounced back, and he's um, he's certainly carrying them. That you know they probably. Didn't want these sort of defensive numbers. I, I, you know, they're just looking at the sport logic stats. You know, some of the numbers they're still defensively they're still among the worst teams in a lot of categories. Um, so, you know, I, I don't think that's where it wants to be. You know, based on who they brought in and stuff like the numbers shouldn't be where they are. But um, well, they're I mean, winning games. That's I mean, isn't isn't part of the idea of Derek King being here was the mindset change, right? I don't think I don't think that Kyle Davidson or anyone else thought that he was going to walk in. And completely fundamentally, you know, alter the they become Barry Trotz. He wasn't going to do that. He wasn't going to John Tortorella this team. That they felt they felt they needed an outside voice, a fresher voice, maybe a lighter touch, a guy who has a personality and is a little more chill behind him. And you know, that's what they needed. If they, if they, you know, I'm still not sure who's really running this team. I mean, Derek King's doing all the media, but Mark Crawford. I mean, we, we, we talked to Rob Cookson yesterday, the new assistant coach, and he talked about Crawford a heck of a lot more than he talked about Derek King. And now part of that is that Rob Cookson's here because he's worked for Mark Crawford uh, in Ottawa, in Switzerland. They know each other well. Uh, and, he, and he was recommended to King by Crawford. But, um, like, there's not a lot of X's and O's going on here. King, he's, when he has his practices, they're working on the neutral zone. and they're. But more than anything, it, it's a vibe, right? Derek King's bringing a vibe to this team. Like, hey, man, yeah. I was a player. I was in the league for a long time. I know that shit goes bad sometimes. Don't worry about it. Go out there, have fun. Remember, it's just hockey. You know, it's 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 kind of almost silly to think about when these guys are making so much money. But sometimes you need to hear that. Sometimes you just need that pressure to be taken off. So I don't know how long this is going to last. You know, eventually they're going to start losing again if they keep playing this way. Unless Flurry is just the greatest goalie that ever lived for the rest of the season. Which, who knows, you might do that. That's why you got him, right? But what's interesting is, you know, I asked a couple of the guys yesterday about this, like, all right, so you're what? You're six, ten, and two, six, six, nine, and two right now, something like that. Six, ten, and two, and uh, so you know, if if they had just kind of stumbled their way to this record, we wouldn't six, have six, ten, and two. Yeah. Six, ten, and two. If, if they had stumbled, so they if they if they just kind of like lollygagged their way to this record, we wouldn't have written right. We wouldn't be writing them off right now. We'd be like, oh man, it's pretty bad. But it's because they started one nine and two or whatever it was that we wrote them off. So. Are they out of it? Yeah, probably. I think Dom Lucision has them at um, 2% odds of making the playoffs, and that sounds about right. But in the players' heads, they got 60-some-odd games left. They can still make a run. If they can play this kind of hockey, if they can double it, go two more weeks where they go 5-1, and one, then all of a sudden they're a 500 team in a division that's got some underperforming teams like Dallas. And, you know, I'm, I'm, Nashville's playing well, but I'm going to be scared of Nashville. And, you know, maybe you can start deluding yourself into thinking that you can make a run here, and, and then that confidence grows from there. Is that what's best for this team? I don't know. They don't have a first-round draft pick next year. It probably doesn't matter unless they're the worst team in the league. So, you know, there's no harm in, in, in just kind of enjoying it, kind of allowing them to think that, you know, maybe they can do it. You know, American Thanksgiving is here, as they say, and, you know, they're not in the playoffs, which means they won't make the playoffs if you believe anyone in Canada. But there's more to it than that. There's, there's subtleties in this. There's nuance to this. They are not necessarily better, but they're playing better. They're not necessarily playing better, but they're feeling better. There are signs of life 
which is more than we had 16 days ago when Derek King got here, at least. Well, I, I do think, I mean, your point about the change in the mood, I think that was a priority. Like, you needed those guys to feeling better, and, and Derek King's getting more comfortable. And, you know, and, and I, I think that he's not the type of guy who's going to want the attention, so he's fine giving it to Mark Crawford. But it was also that Derek King didn't really know this team, so it was right. it was wise to do it that way. You know, like, he didn't step in and, uh, and say that I need to be the voice, or I need to, you know, like, I need, like, he... This was the smart move, and 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 Dirk King said that eventually, you know, if they feel like they need to make changes within the system and all those things are, you know, I, I think this this road trip will be an indication of that, and, and you know, I mean, well, and Jeremy Colleton learned on the fly that uh, learned the hard way that it's hard to do that on the fly. Yeah, yeah, and, and I and I think Derek King was has been pretty open, like he like he's not blind to results, like he he doesn't, you know, like he yeah. he, he certainly he's talking up the positives, but he he also he's out there, he knows what's happening, you know, like now he's been uh, he's been a good voice for this team, like he's 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 walking that line nicely between rah rah guy, but also realist, like he's not blowing smoke up anybody's ass, and, and you kind of appreciate that. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with twenty four seven U.S. based live customer service from Discover. Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. I guess one of the challenges of this team is I don't know what their strength is. They're obviously like they're good in special teams. Like I just I don't know. Like special teams don't you know like they can be a decider, but like you need one of the other sides of the offense, their defense. You know, like right now the goals for they're they're thirtieth in the league and goals against they're twenty sixth in the league. So they're not you know, like they're not either side of it's not really holding up. You know, like they're playing a lot of close games lately and winning, you know, one nothing or two one and those type of victories. And it's hard to do against teams like Edmonton and other teams that just that have so much offensive firepower. You know, like it's it's difficult to play that style. And I I, I think do think and I I'm I'm curious to your thoughts and just on I'm you know I think they've been a one line team um especially when the Hegel is out. You know, I, I think that the Brinkett Doc Kane line was was been their top line. But it, it seemed like Strom, you know, Strom fit in with uh, with Taves and and Hagel yesterday. And maybe that's something. Like you still need probably more out of those other lines, but there, there's something intriguing with that line. Maybe. Yeah, I had a, I, I had a, a source tell me yesterday. You know, uh, I, I texted him after the morning skate when I saw that, or after um, um, warmups when I saw that Strom was on that second line in a wing because we've talked about how he's better as a center, but we've also talked about how he needs to be playing with good players. So which is better for him, playing with? Mike Hardman were playing with Jonathan Taves and Brandon Hagel. And um, the source got back to me, you know, said, well, the, the way the team's looking at it is, you know, now or never. Like, you've gotten your chance. You, you got no chance under Colleton. Derek King came in here and made you the third-line center for every game. You got to play decent minutes. You got a little bit of power play time. You know, you got your chance, and you were meh. I mean, he wasn't really producing much. So here's your chance. We're going to put you on a big line with the big boys. Let's see what you do. And he played really well. Like, there's no denying he had two or three really good scoring chances. I noticed a couple of defensive plays, a couple of stick lifts. Like, he was he was engaged, 
And he was one of the Blackhawks' better players last night. Now, does that mean he's, he keeps that spot? I don't know. Kubalik and Taves have been basically joined at the hip since Kubalik got here. But Kubalik is just dried up right now. I think it's, what, 14, 15 games since he scored at this point? No five-on-five five goals. So, you know, if Strome can hang on to that, then that makes the Blackhawks a little deeper because then you have Kubalik on the third line, and theoretically that's a big scoring threat on the third line. And maybe they get a little more balance in the lineup because, like you said, it's been Kane and Debrinkit and virtually nobody else all season. So if you have... You know, Taves working with Hagel and Stroman, they can produce. And you have Kubalik, eventually the law of averages says he's got to heat up at some point. Then maybe you have a little bit better. But yeah, this is a team, and we talked about this before the season. It's a team of too many grinders. There are so many fourth liners on this team. And it's, it's not a way, you know, they have no identity because Stan Bowman had no direction. Every year they changed their minds. And now you have a team that has all world talent and a bunch of guys. There's nothing. But in I, I feel like there was a lot of ifs too. Like it was if Henrik Borgstrom can be this guy, or or if uh, if Kirby Doc takes that next step. And Doc's been fine, but uh, like he's never like produced at a high level. At it, you know, like even right. in junior, like they expect him to start going off. I don't know how realistic it is. Or even Kurdish. I'm like Kurdishev was a nice junior player. Kurdishev's Kur- struggling this year. He's, he's yeah. Like I, I I don't know like what his upside. You know, like I, I think he's an NHL player and he can be, but like and he's only like 20 years old too. Like oh for sure. No, he's for still sure. way I'm, ahead I'm of saying, schedule. Yeah. I I, I'm just, I, I think some of these guys, there were a lot of ifs, you know, like even Taves doesn't hit goals still, you know, like there, I think that was what, one of the ifs that we talked about too was, and, and, you know, and I think Hagel is the only if that's really kind of come through, like, well, if, if Hagel takes the next step, and I think we're seeing that, and um, a lot of these other ifs just, you know, Borgstrom and, uh, you know, Gaudet's not in the lineup, and Strom certainly hasn't found his touch yet, and a lot of the guys that you thought as maybe secondary scorers, you know, you you, you depended on Kane and Abrinkit, and now for Kubalik not to be an option, like, you, you yeah, you just don't have many goals um, in that place, especially five on five, and if Kane and Debrinket are going to play together, so um, I, I think the good thing about that, like w- with Hagel playing, uh, it, it seems like he's driving a lot of possession, and and that certainly helped Taves' number. And, and you know, if that means Strom can get more offensive zone time too, I mean, that's where he's most dangerous. You know, yeah. like I think that makes a lot of sense. And um, you know, Kubalik, it's it's you know, like it's maybe you just you kind of wait for him to come around, and maybe some of it's on the power play, and you know him being on the second unit power play doesn't really help him either. But um, I think they've kind of gotten to the point where they really can't sit around and wait for for Kubalik right now. Well, you have to wonder if it's worth you know you know Brett Connolly is a forgotten man here, but he's also a proven NHL scorer. He didn't do a whole lot in his little stint here last year, but he's got what uh, five goals, six assists, and twelve games for Rockford. Maybe you bring him up. Maybe you bring Alex Nylander up. He's a proven NHL performer. He was, you know, he was playing second, third line production for a full season. As much shit as he got, he produced at five on five decently. Lucas Reichel's an option. I, I'm kind of with you in that, that this is pretty much a lost season. Don't burn a year of his contract. Let him develop. But if you're looking to do something to, to improve scoring, how about a whole line of Reichel, Connolly, and Nylander? That could really change the dynamic of this team if you don't have four or five grinders in there because the grinding yeah. isn't this isn't a grinder team it's not like you can't have two lines that are john tortorella and two lines that are you know bruce boudreau fun and gun it just it doesn't work this way yeah because even when you bring Entwistle back it's not like he's going to provide you much offensive no. pop you know like like how is reese johnson in the lineup like 16 out of 18 games or whatever it's been he's not he's not good enough right now he might be yeah. someday he's a guy they have they have I, better I, I, options I, th- I think Kara on the fourth line, like that's like I feel like he just drives enough for that fourth line to be good. Yeah, you know, like when Kara, he... Kara is the kind of guy that you can build a fourth line around. The rest of these guys are just guys. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
So, yeah, I, I wonder if Karashev's one of those guys that they look at, you know, maybe send him a rock for get him some confidence. Yeah. And uh, whether it's Nylander, you know, Conley, some of it's his salary. Um, I don't know whether I, I got to look at what their LTIR is. But, yeah, I don't, I don't know at this point. I mean, Conley's producing pretty consistently down there. Um, you know, I think Reichel, like part of it's like what they're going to do, do with World Juniors from him. I think they learned yeah. a little bit of a lesson with Doc. Um not sending him the first time, like it just like building that confidence and being the guy like helps you sometimes. And man, certainly, man, certainly there's just, a lesson from the second time, but that's a, uh, people are going to lose their minds if they send him out there. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I, I guess at this point, like it's the, it's one other way to delay bringing him up, you know, like yeah. if the plan is to send him to world juniors and then, you know, like he comes back and you put him in Rockford and then you send him to the Olympics and then he comes back and, uh, there's maybe a way to manage it where he still plays fewer than ten games. So, um, yeah, I guess I guess at that point you kind of know what this team is too, and then you can decide whether it's worth inserting him into a team that can make the playoffs or it's a team that's that's losing, and you just you know you hold him in rock for the for the year, playing nine games, and you know give him that experience, but also um, you know don't burn that season. So um, it'll be interesting. You know, I, I think Kyle Davidson has some. Uh, those are those are little things, and I, I know you have a big kind of interesting story coming out tomorrow that you know we can discuss in the next podcast. Not to give it away, but um, I, I think Kyle Davidson has a lot of interesting you know decisions here to make in uh, in the coming months. Not just on the ice, off the ice too. I mean, you know, he said he was going to come in and evaluate everything, right? Well, that includes hockey ops. I mean, do they need more scouts, fewer scouts, more di- uh, analytics people? I mean, you know, you and I have talked about this a few times where you know. When we started on this beat in like 2013, 20, I, I did a story on the Blackhawks analytics. I'm pretty sure it was in 2014. And that was like before anyone really talked about analytics besides like, you know, the, the, the real actual analytics community, the seven people that understood this stuff. And were before people knew what Corsi was and PDO and all that. And people were like, whoa, this is so cool. And, and it, it, it was very, within, within weeks, months, everyone was like, oh yeah, all these teams do this. We just, just I didn't know. Um, and I remember a couple of years ago, you asked Dan about this and he basically said that, you know, we're still cutting edge. That's not the sense I get. The sense I get is the constancy and the, and the stability of the Blackhawks front office basically led to an inertia where they thought that they were always going to be ahead, and the rest of the league is caught up and passed them by. So it's not just Kyle Davidson needing to fix what's on the ice. He needs to fix the people that decide what's on the ice. It's not just the one-guy show. It's, there's a lot of people involved in hockey operations, and I'm not so sure the Blackhawks are as uh, ahead of the curve as they used to be. They might very well be behind it. So that's going to be an interesting thing of what he can do too. He's a guy who's been in there for the last, you know, almost a decade now through various roles. You know, he probably sees things that can be improved. And for the long-term stability of the franchise and the long-term direction here, those off-ice moves are going to be just as important as the on-ice ones. Well, from from everything that I know, that they've outsourced the analytics. That there was, uh, I think it was Coleman Consulting or something. There's there's one guy that ran it, but he had other people working for him. But they outsourced the analytics for a while. Um, you know, a lot more teams have in, you know, internally hired people to do these type of things. Um, certainly export logic and a lot of those, you know, a lot of these different, uh, services teams subscribe to too. But I, I think internally there's a lot more done. And, um, you know, we, I know there's a few people that have those type of positions within the Blackhawks, but I don't think they have as much of a team of, uh, you know, analytics people as, as a lot of teams do that we've seen that kind of those resources devoted to their more, you know, in the last few years, like it feels like those teams have really built up those type of resources. Yeah. And that's what it takes. I mean, you need to be, that's, that's the advantage of having someone like Kyle Davidson. If you're looking for something that gives a guy with such little, you know, dues paying experience and edge, it's that he's come up in that era. 
he is part of that analytics community. He understands the value of it. Um, so he, he would, I would assume, would naturally want to, to, to beef that up. That's over bringing in like a Jim Rutherford, which I don't know, but he's like 112 years old. I don't know how forward thinking he is. But again, that's why the, I, I think we're all convinced they're going to hire a president of hockey operations and a GM. I think that we're, we all want, I think everybody expects to see some kind of like the, the hockey guy voice of the team and uh, uh, the, the numbers crunching capologist as the actual GM, which probably gives Davidson a pretty decent chance at the job, at least. If you have the big veteran voice on top, uh, you know, above him, then that gives Davidson a chance. But there's, there's no shortage of suitors. I've heard from a number of, you know, aspiring GMs and former GMs that really want this job. But from what, I've been, what I heard, and I think Pierre Lebrun has reported this too, they're moving very slowly on this. Like, they're in no rush. I think they understand that this season is what it is at this point. And that gives them, if anything, a luxury of time. Derek King's getting the full season. So you don't have to worry about having, you know, bringing someone in to hire the new coach until the season's over. So there's, you know, they have time to really sit and think about what they want to do here. And I think they're going to take a lot of it. Yeah, I, I think with the head coach, it makes a lot of sense to take your time. Like, there's no need to rush into it. But I, I do think with the GM and the president of hockey ops, like, you want to do that sooner than later. Like, you want to... Uh, you want to hire someone, and if you're if you're going to hire someone to buy above Kyle Davidson, you want to allow them to come in and assess Kyle Davidson. Like the the hand someone their GM is, I don't know if that's really how it should work. You know, like that's how's that giving that person um, the full control? So um, I, I think you want to give them some some yeah just some runtime. You know, like the, you know, give them an opportunity to assess what's going on, and uh, you know, before the draft and before free agency, and um, and I know like you. I mean, honestly, I mean, here in the coming months, like they don't have a lot of expiring uh, contracts, but you know, like if you trade a, a Kubalik or a Strom or, or you know, like uh, I guess even Flurry, if he's, you know, if you decide him, like there's all type of moves that you, whoever comes in next, would you like to have some kind of input or, 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 or give Davidson, you know, like give him the title or just, you know, like you, they obviously trust him now. Um, I, I think, and I, I they, know let him, they let him fire the coach like 10 days into the job. So, yeah, so he's got some power. Uh, so yeah, and 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 I get, uh, I'm sure the legal stuff and everything going on with Kyle Beach is, uh, I'm sure they were hoping that would resolve itself pretty quickly with uh, with negotiations, and and that hasn't been the case, and, the, and those lawsuits are going on, and I guess we'll see what the next, you know, what happens there with the judge or how they, you know, whether they they settle sooner than later. But I, I know the Blackhawks are handling. There's there's a lot of different balls in the air for them, but that it it does feel like the coach is one thing, but I but I think deciding on. Because I, even I mean we've talked about it many times like any well, a lot of us could foresee that Stan Bowman would potentially get fired over what happened and, and to allow him to make those decisions like it, it it affected you for the next decade and not necessarily that whatever decision Kyle Davidson makes here in the next um, coming months will affect you for that long but there there's some big decisions that you whoever's you know if you bring someone else they probably want them to have some kind of say as well so I I, I do think that. You have a little bit of time, but you probably don't want to take until the end of the season to make such a big decision. Well, you might you might want to do it before the trade deadline too. Obviously, that yeah, might be for that sure, might yeah. be the. But that's still three months away. That gives you some yeah, time and some yeah. leeway for all these assessments to be made for Kyle Davidson to assess the team and for the team to assess Kyle Davidson. But it, it's going to be interesting. I mean, there's so much. You know, I I use the expression in my story for tomorrow about you know they've been painted into a corner by Stan Bowman like. And like you said, those moves he made affect, will affect them for years to come. How do you undo this? Not undo it, but how do you fix it? Like, how do you, you know, I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing that Seth Jones is here for eight more years. He's a good player, um, despite the second period the other night. But you gave up so much to get him. 
and that yeah, affects and you I think for that's so always long. the yeah. I, I think that's the balance, right? Like, it's, yeah, and Seth Jones is always going to be unfairly evaluated based on what was given up for him, and certainly the salary. Like, it's it's is he worth nine point five? Um, it, there there aren't a lot of players worth that, you know. Like, no. it's, I, I think. But when, and, you, and, when you see that Adam Fox and Kale McCarr also get that, you, you freak out. But I mean, those guys were RFAs, whereas you know Seth Jones is going to be a UFA. It's a different market, but it's it's hard to square when the, the Fox and McCarr are probably the two best defensemen in the league, and they're young and they're just getting started, and they're making the same amount as your twenty six, twenty seven year old guy uh, who's coming off a bad season. So it, it, I understand he's going he's going to be unfairly maligned by that, just the way that Seabrook was for his contract. I mean, the contracts aren't the players' fault, and I can't say that enough times. That you know, you can't expect someone to say, "Nah, it's too much money. Why don't you lower that and give me a few, yeah. a few so a couple of less years would be good too." Like that's stupid. You know, the, that is not the players' fault, but the players always saddle the uh, criticism for it, whether you know fair or not. Yeah. No, that's uh, and, and 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 honestly, it's not even the salary as much as the draft picks, right? Like, is having Cole Sillinger or you know having a top potentially a top five, top ten pick. Like those are game changers for you, yeah. you know. Like it's uh, the Blackhawks have already had two top ten picks, and you know Doc seems like he's headed in a great direction, um, you know at least a positive direction. And you know Boquist is what it, what he was, and he got you Jones in a way. But uh, if you end up down that path again, and you don't have that pick, it, it just it's it's putting Davidson or whoever in a, in a really tough spot because that that's your opportunity to rebuild. You know, yeah. you you only get a shot at those. Well, you probably only want a shot at those traffics only so often and um it, it's uh yeah it, it, well, it's, well, it, it, it's it took the oilers out. oilers had like uh, a decade of those number one picks and they're just now getting good so <laughs> yeah yeah um you uh any plans for uh for calgary no i mean I, i'm just you know it's been a good trip I, it, we've had really good weather and seattle was awesome and i always like going to edmonton and getting goulash at bistro praha and vancouver it's always too short i'm always i'm always Curious why the Hawks are always on the second end of a back-to-back in Vancouver, and I wonder if that's intentional or not. Because um, <laughs> you do have some things you could kind of horse trade on with uh, Steve Hatspe uh, Petros, the uh, schedule master. And uh, Calgary is—I I like Calgary. I'm, I'm dreading the press box tomorrow because I hate that goddamn thing. But um, you know, is what it is. And then, uh, yeah, I get, to, I get to be home for Thanksgiving, which is a rarity on this beat. Like it's, it's yeah. unusual to be home for Thanksgiving, so I'm looking forward to that. Okay. Um, yeah, they have this game, and then they're back home for a few games, and uh, yeah, East Coast next week, right? Uh, yeah, it's, they got the Caps, the Rangers, the Islanders. Get to know another new barn in the, uh, at the island to see the COVID-riddled Islanders, and then we got Toronto and Montreal the week after that. This is like old school on the beat, where I was away all the time. See if my kids remember me. I, I was talking to uh, a buddy of mine in New York who's Islanders uh, season ticket holder, and he said uh, he said the arena was great, and you know all his. Uh, complaints or stuff that he expected but he said the parking was the worst parking that he's ever dealt with <laughs> i uh but i guess that's some of that's expected in new york sometimes but well, long island is just one giant horrible parking lot parking <laughs> jam and now they're not allowed to honk did you see that they're not allowed to honk in the parking lot like a, oh really a, one of the traditions at islanders games since i was a kid was as you're leaving especially if they won honk 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 you know let's go islanders and all that and everybody does it and yay it's fun and there are signs all over the USB arena parking lot saying no honking and no tailgating, oh, that's great. which is like the only identity the Islanders fans have is tailgating and honking. It's, it's brutal. Uh, there, there was a high school football game uh, a couple of weeks ago. It was Mount Carmel against Brother Rice, and they they had to send out a letter to all the uh, all the parents that they couldn't tailgate um, 
outside the thing. And then they also said the, the other local high school they couldn't tailgate. Like, it was all these things. Like, <laughs> like, we, we know that you're going to go tailgate across the street, too, so you can't tailgate here. <laughs> um, it's, no fun. Uh, yeah, high school football, different uh, different animals, the Catholic League sometimes. Well, um, hey, but- before we go, we got we to gotta point this out. It's our Black Friday sale uh, starting at – by the time you hear this, it's already have started – through midnight on uh, November 29th, you can get the Athletics' best deal of the year, $1 a month for 12 full months, which we usually don't do that. I know everyone jokes about our subscription deals, but $1 a month for 12 months is an insane deal. When you can go to visit uh, theathletic.com slash Powers or any of our stories, and you can find a, a deal for that. Get yourself a subscription. Gift someone a subscription. It's a great Hanukkah's coming up this week. Uh, Christmas is around the corner. Or you could just be a nice friend and give them something for no reason. Why does it have to be a holiday to give some to your friend? Come on. Uh, so go ahead and get the sports coverage you know you deserve because it's not going to get better than this. Um, yeah, we'll be back at this uh, next week. And um, yeah, safe travels. And I'm glad you got a uh, you're able to leave the country and can return <laughs> to us. Not yet. I haven't returned yet. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. At least, at least we'll you'll see. be allowed back in. I'm, I, when I, I, I wrote my story on the plane today and I have one rule where I won't write the dateline until I actually land in the city because I feel like it's tempting fate. Oh. <laughs> Anyway, assuming Thanks. you'll hear from me next week, I'm Mark Lazarus, that's Scott Powers, and this is Laz and Powers.